on a mission, on a quest, on a search for discovering the truth. Join us on our journey to discovering a savior. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurluch. Hey, we're finally here. Yeah. We are. I've, I've, I don't know how many episodes have started with <laughs> you saying something and me just being dumbstruck going, yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, we're finally in our little recording studio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a video podcast, so no one else can see it, but maybe they, I'll take can, some pictures. They can hear it. Yeah, they can hear it. Well, hopefully you could hear the difference. You hear all the things you're not hearing right now? Yep. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you do such a yeah. good job with editing that like this is probably just making your job easier. But Slightly. The, hopefully that's the goal. The end product yeah. will probably be pretty similar because yeah. you're, you're already good. Yeah, we won't uh, have to worry about the helicopters flying by or the airplanes when we record at my house. Or the um, gardeners at the church. Or the <laughs> I forgot about the gardeners. It was like every time we recorded, they were out there. We would change our recording time yes. and they would still show up. Yes, it was like they knew. Yeah. <laughs> We would coordinate with yeah. like John and Patricia and be like, hey, so when are they coming? All right, we'll, we'll go at a different time and they would still, still show, show up. up. I forgot about that. Or the ambulances when we were doing uh, after hours. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ambulances times. after yeah. hours. Or uh, just the fun is our church, most of the property has little paver bricks mm-hmm. like everywhere on the floor. Oh, yeah. So, and we also have tons of carts that people use for stuff. So just taka, 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 across kids, the entire campus. Kids skateboarding. Oh, yeah. Skateboard wheels are good. We sound like we're so old and complaining. (laughs) Let's change to something else. Anyways, but yeah, we're in the studio. Hold on, hold on. on. My my favorite one, though, (laughs) out of all of them, was uh, not necessarily my neighbor who always decided to do arts and crafts projects with metal and grinding tools, but was when we were uh, at the church studio and the older woman would come and just talk on her phone on the little seat. Oh, yeah, yeah. directly underneath the window. Directly underneath the window. And she would just be on that thing forever. Just talking. And she doesn't come to our church. She just lives in the neighborhood and would plop down right there. Uh, that one was always my favorite because it was just fun to hear. But we're in the new studio. We are, which uh, was a long time coming. Yeah. Because when the person building the room has ADHD real bad. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like no real deadline to having yeah, it done. Yeah. Even the fact that, like, with the amount of finish that it does have, mm-hmm. we could have been in here several episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just waiting for a table. Yeah, and what yeah. do you know? I also had that. <laughs> <laughs> just laying around randomly. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? We're here. Yeah. So That's l- life. Let's keep going on. I want to uh, talk about a story real quick that happened with me. I'm going back quite a long time to when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl versus the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, the Seahawks were just an amazing team that year. They were really kind of unstoppable. And as great as the Patriots were in the Tom Brady, Belichick era, um, the Seahawks that year were just, they had Marshall Lynch, and that dude was just running through every defensive line. No one could stop him. Um, And so they're in the Super Bowl, and and, uh, Russell Wilson was having a phenomenal year as a quarterback. And their defense was just it was great. They were stopping every offense out there, the best of the best offenses. So they're playing the Super Bowl. And uh, as uh, this is happening, I'm there with Remy. Uh, Justine has been kicked out of the house because I don't know if I've shared on the podcast before, but I don't want to say she's a jinx, but the Patriots don't win when she watches in the playoffs. I feel like you might have shared that before. I might have. That you're superstitious? No, stitious. Little stitious. Uh, nah, if you're kicking your <laughs> wife out, that's superstitious. That's yeah, more than little yeah. stitious. So she was out shopping. I mean, she was doing what she liked anyways. And all I asked was she'd bring me, uh, me and Remy some food. So. She's like, hey, when is your team playing again? Because yeah. she knows it's her out. <laughs> yeah. So she's out having fun. And it's me and Remy. And... uh the Patriots were winning and then they were losing and then they were winning and then they're losing. And then it got to the fourth quarter and, you know, I'm trying to distract myself when they're losing. So I'm playing with Remy or running around having fun. Um, and, but I'm really trying to watch the game, but I'm like, oh, I can't watch when they're losing. So let me just play with my daughter. And they were winning. It's the fourth quarter. There's a minute left and the Seahawks have the ball and they, they're just driving down the field. Like this Patriots just can't stop them. They score a touchdown. The game's over. They win. Uh, They get to the two-yard line, if not the one-yard line. And there's like seconds left. And you know what they're going to do. They have Marshall Lynch. No one stops him. So 
They call hike, and instead of giving it to the unstoppable running back, they throw the ball. And the the cornerback or defensive back on the Patriot team just, I guess, read it perfectly, ran right in front of the receiver, caught the ball, interception, game over, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I grab Remy and I'm jumping up and down, like screaming through the house. We're cheering. We're like just bouncing up in the air. She's too little to really know like what we're excited about other than like dad's excited. So Mm -hmm. she's excited and just seriously like cheering at the top of my lungs in excitement Um, and joy because like we don't win that game. If everyone is saying you don't, you don't throw, you give it to Marshall Lynch, Seahawks win. So it was almost like they won a game that they weren't supposed to win. And I know why. Because, see, here's the thing about your superstition, Mm -hmm. is that everything about that game was solely riding on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was what you were doing, right? (laughs) It's just like they're like, we're playing perfectly, but we're losing the ball. It's because you were paying too much attention. Then you went to Mm -hmm. play with Remy, and they're just like, what? Mm -hmm. They didn't give it to Marshall Lynch? (laughs) They're just like, what's going on? It's just like, little do they know it's because Chris... Was doing the right thing. Just erupting in joy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, when thinking about joy uh, and happiness, like I, I could recall that moment in my life um, because of just how excited I was. Uh, and that really does take me to like a story in the Bible that that there's like this immense joy that happens in it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to me, it reminded me of when Mary went to visit Elizabeth. I like how it reminds you of a story in the Bible. It doesn't remind you of a time when I've been filled with so much joy. <laughs> Tell us about you know, a time. When, when I've just been jumping up and down. And ex- ex- <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if there really has yeah, ever been a time yeah. where I've just like exclaimed with that. You know, I'm very much more an, uh, an internal feeler. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. We were at a conference and getting dessert at an ice cream place. And Justine like got the four sampler ice cream thing because mm-hmm. that's what my wife does. Uh, and she was just eating it, and she's always just, like, loved food. Like, she gets excited about it, and she went to eat it, and, like, she was, like, making noises and just dancing all happy, and you're like, I wish I could feel excited about anything like you are right now (laughs) in your old Eeyore voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we're not going to me. We're going to this Bible story. Yes, yes. (laughs) Where there is so much joy. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said of this section of when Mary uh, went to go visit Elizabeth, he said that, a joy is the major theme as we see three people rejoicing in the Lord. So like this section of uh, Mary visiting Elizabeth, he, he kind of just sums it up as like joy is the major theme of what's happening here. And so we have this encounter between uh, Mary and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth is pregnant at this point, like we've talked about before. She has John the Baptist in her stomach. And Mary's just found out that she's going to have a baby. And Gabriel was like, proof of this is, Go visit Elizabeth. You'll see that she's with child. Um, Which, I don't know why. It's the weird thing how details can be so closely linked together, but I can still forget. Towards like, hey, your proof of this is like, go see Elizabeth. And immediately I'm just like, oh yeah, go see your cousin. Forgetting that like Elizabeth is this old barren woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, here's the proof. You know, your cousin yeah, who yeah. has no kid. She's full blown pregnant right mm-hmm. now. And like, yeah, that would be a pretty good marker of proof. Yeah, not just like questionably pregnant, but like yeah, you're yeah, six, like five, six months yeah, in. Yeah, six months in. That's when like the bumps start showing and everything starts happening. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that too. Like that's the the beauty of the Bible when you start putting the the pieces together as a whole. It's like, well, why would that be a sign? But what's dumb is like, how many times have I read or heard this mm-hmm. story, and like that just didn't click. Like mm-hmm. that's why it's the sign. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah, go see her and I don't know. Sure. Yeah, something that seemed unlikely, right? Because what's going to happen in her life right now? The unlikely, the impossible is about to happen. So what other people have thought was impossible about Elizabeth, go see her because the impossible has just happened in her life too. Um, And then so uh, Mary quickly goes down to visit Elizabeth and she, uh, just to confirm what Gabriel said, and as Mary enters the house, Elizabeth uh, heard her and the baby, John, uh, leaped in her stomach for joy. And uh, I read in a commentary that suggested that this is probably the time when John was filled with the Holy Spirit, as the angel promised uh, in the earlier section. But um, let me read that. It says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried uh, to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so even before his birth, John rejoiced in Jesus. He was excited. The baby uh, jumped up. Uh, John would be the one who would kind of introduce the Messiah to the Jewish nation. And here it's just that excitement already fills him as just a baby. See, this is where he said, I guess you didn't say, you're quoting Mr. Wearsby. Mm -hmm. He's like, there was three people happy. I'm just like, so Jesus just wasn't happy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is pulling a Murdoch. Yeah, yeah, like, you know yeah, yeah. what I mean? Jesus, Jesus is Murdoch inside there. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, wow. <laughs> I wish I could be like John right now, just leaping around in my mom's belly. But yeah. that's a John thing. Well, I mean, I guess it goes back to, uh, do you remember those like 1970, 1980 Jesus movies, Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah. With like blue-eyed Jesus. Mm -hmm. and Good looking dude. Yeah but was always like just so stoic in his presentation. Like, so maybe that's where Wearsby was getting it from. Clearly. <laughs> even, even within the womb, he was just, <laughs> just stoic. stoic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the chosen wasn't out yet. So you don't get that fun, loving, goofy Jesus. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll segue hard into that. So we're not going to open that hard a little no, bit. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. A little bit. Yeah. It's just always struck me when those kinds of conversations come up, or especially if they're coming from like in a pulpit or somebody like leading a Bible study or something, to where people will try to open up about the possible personality of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Especially when it was like, he was going around with like 12 dudes. Yeah. Like, what do you really think that's going to be like, especially given what you know about these 12 guys, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was all just serious all the time. Like, he wasn't cracking jokes. They weren't doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, which, granted, I don't know if anybody's ever had like pretty good group of guy friends or witnessed yep. that a lot of stupid happens. A I just lot. think about, was it a couple of Fridays ago when we went to go help uh, Norman move his stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah. Even just in that car ride. Yeah. It, so, I mean, it's quick. But th so then I have that. I was like, no, I can see that as a reality. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also like, but I know there's a full different thing about being a teacher and like what that was and the level of like, mm -hmm. you know, so that's where it just always interesting where people bring it up. I'm like. Yeah, but it's also a different culture as mm -hmm. far as how people like keep themselves in those like yeah. uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like the types of relationship. Mm -hmm. I like teacher to student and a rabbi to student or what that would be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the way the chosen portrays him. Yeah. He's it's a pretty even cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, you at least see there's like I mean, you could read the parables and some of the things he does say. There is somewhat of a wit and humor in mm -hmm. it. I guess maybe it depends more on if you're reading your own wit or humor into it. Yeah. That's all, like, yeah. Think about how often you get a text message and you just read mm -hmm. into that, whatever. The whole Bible is a text. Yeah. Like you read, like we read into it, right? And people are always like, why do, why are people misunderstanding the Bible? Because you're reading into it just like you would misunderstand a text. So let's read into this one. Let's read, yeah. <laughs> right, that, like I brought that, that back was, in. Yeah, good, yeah. Good way to fill it in. So Elizabeth, filled with the spirit, that's where I left off, said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come, to, come and see me? Uh, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed in the uh, believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Uh, so that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth says this, and uh, Stephen D. Young said this that Saint Elizabeth, because um, they're Orthodox, they throw Saint in front of a lot of stuff. Uh, saint Elizabeth is the first person to be filled with the Spirit and speak in Saint Luke's narrative, marking out what she is about to say as prophecy. Um, so he he says that as as she's speaking, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, she's prophesying about what would happen. Mm -hmm. So I do like that kind of take on it. Yeah, and to to build off of that, right? So you have Saint Elizabeth, right? Mm -hmm. Which a uh, couple things there, like right? So they're Orthodox, so they put Saint in front of a lot of things. It's like even if you're not Orthodox, read through the New Testament believers get called saint mm -hmm. and i just feel like that's a weird reactionary thing in a lot of protestant circles is that we don't call anybody a saint yeah which is a weird thing because you just get like paul starting off his letters like to the saints of ephesus mm -hmm. like you know and just like pretty uh broadly using that term for people yeah like oh you're no longer a sinner you're a saint you're a holy one you're mm -hmm. a called out one and just like that weird reactionary thing always gets me um so that's one part. But then another reactionary thing to, I think it was either last episode or a couple episodes ago, we talked about Mary a little bit. Yeah. And we were yeah, kind of yeah, challenging, yeah. like, how high up 
do you give this? Because, again, a lot of Protestants may be like, whoa, our Catholic brothers and sisters go like too far on mm-hmm. the thing. And I think that the reaction to that is just like, we hardly elevate Mary at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, no, she's the, the mother of Jesus. Full stop. Right. Like, you know, yeah. but this is where if you're going to say Elizabeth is giving prophecy, listen to this prophecy that's in the New Testament. So she says, blessed are you among women. Or if you do use like the New Living Translation to get a little more all right, among women, God has blessed you above all women. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yes, Mary is being blessed yeah. by God above all other women. Because just like we're looking through all of human history is pointing to the coming of the Messiah. Right. It's just like Mary is the one that's being chosen for that. And it's like, I don't think that's by an accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just how we were kind of talking about Mary's status in life and, you know, Mm -hmm. where she was at and before God and and those kinds of things is just like, yeah, he he honored her in that. And I don't know, I just don't think that we should shy away from using the biblical language for things and being able to give honor where honor is due. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can also say that I think some things can go too far. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to strike the balance there. Um, yeah, just those a couple reactionary things that are there. But to build off of even that, before I go, any comments on Mm-mm. on such? All right, so to build even off of a different reactionary thing, because we did call this episode, or we're calling this episode, Mothers of the Revolution. Yeah. And I think that what we've seen in our culture, as far as a very reactionary thing, um, which there's different things that react, but one specific one, we have feminism, right? Mm-hmm. And feminism coming out is just like, and rightfully so, the way that women were being treated in a lot of ways was like, not the best, right? <laughs> you know, globally. And then you have just what's happening here in the States as, as those things progress. So it's like, for good reason, women were standing up for themselves. And there's been like a lot of things been pushed forward. And a lot of good has come from this reactionary thing called feminism, right? But I also think that in ways that can go too far and we can see within the culture just the balance between like, oh, men and women, even pitting men and women against each other or there's like feminism within theology that is just like, no, we should be calling God goddess and mother Mm -hmm. instead of God and father and like really trying to interpret like just taking this idea of like, hey, women should be elevated to being imagers of God Mm -hmm. and then going beyond to be like, well, we also need to take away anything that's not that and make it like, you know, so to bring balance to that, I really think that it's so cool that within the scriptures, within the New Testament, within Luke, that we're finding the story like Luke mentions women so much throughout the gospel. Yeah. Like, and not just mentioning them, but mentioning them in super vital roles mm-hmm. as far as like this being the mother to John and the mother right, to Jesus yeah. and really highlighting them in their stories. But then later on, even the women that come around and help support Jesus in the ministry, mm-hmm. right? They're not secondary disciples. They're right up there with, with Peter and James and John as far as like their involvement in supporting, all right, maybe not right up there with them because they were part of the 12, right? But they weren't being discounted. And I think that what we get within the New Testament is, well, really when we look at ancient cultures and like previous to Christianity, like women were pretty much objects and property. Yeah. Like very literally in some stages, like you look at ancient cultures and just like, yes, property and your only use in life is to mother children. Mm -hmm. And if you're not mothering children, what are you doing? Right. Like, you know what I mean? And that the scriptures really take and combat that in really cool ways. They even, um, sorry, I know I'm going deep into like this thing. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it on in a second. But like, even when you look at how um, in the New Testament, how it treats keeping virginity and keeping yourself chased by choice mm-hmm. and that you can be holy and like even pursue God in a different way. And I was going to say better, but like in a different way that you can't when you are a wife and a mother. Right. And it's mm-hmm. not saying like, oh, you're lesser for this, but going like you can have this whole other experience with God that like is completely special and unique to you. Like you're not second class because you're not having. Right. And it's right, just like, yeah, yeah, it's so cool how scripture does elevate and bring both men and women together in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then as I'm circling back around to these two women, because it's the mothers of the revolution. I know that feminism, you can look at it because I don't know if there's first wave, second wave, third wave. I think there might be fourth wave feminism by now. Or something. I'm not an expert in feminism yeah. and I don't want people to get mad at me about that. Um, but just all the things that have come from that. It's like, here's the revolution that God planned for all of humanity. It's for his son to come and for his son to be born of Mary. And when we get into who Mary is, which we don't get a ton of who Mary is, but what we do get, we can see so much of that in Jesus, mm -hmm. that she mothered him. Like everybody who's alive has a mother. Like, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, you came from somewhere yeah. like when you see the type of man that Jesus is, like he was raised by Mary and Joseph. Mm -hmm. And we, if we don't get much on Mary, we definitely don't get much on Joseph. Right. But when we can see Mary's words and her attitude towards things, and even just what we're told about, like how she carried herself before God, and that we just see that in Jesus, I don't know. I think that there's a lot to pay attention to there to keep ourselves grounded because the culture wants to pit everybody against everybody and all that. And they're just like, ah, there's so much goodness here that we can learn from on both sides. Yeah. Even the way, uh, kind of what Stephen DeYoung was saying that. Elizabeth is the first mention in Luke's account of being filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at Luke's importance of women in the ministry, uh, I've read it in almost every commentary that it says Luke puts more emphasis on the women mm -hmm. than anything else. But it was Elizabeth first, then you have Zechariah, then you have Jesus, then you have the disciples on the day of Pentecost, and then you have um, the Spirit filling the Gentiles. But it started with Elizabeth, right, you know, right, and he, right, he puts right. that on there, on her uh, with that. And then she does bless Mary. And I read this in a commentary is that she, uh, or maybe it was Stephen DeYoung who said uh, that when she blessed Mary and Jesus uh, still in the womb, uh, this was a priestly act. Mm. So it's like then, you know, it's not just saying that she's prophesying, but it also elevates her uh, to kind of fill the role that at the time her husband, who was silent from his unbelief, couldn't fill which is a cool way to kind of look at it. Um, and a lot of things started uh, in the commentary I was reading, it pointed towards like this blessing paralleled uh, Deborah and um, the lady who spiked the dude, jail. Yeah, yeah. And, and spiked the, the evil king uh, in the temple, like literally. Okay, all of those words can also be interpreted as there was some punch in the temple <laughs> and she spiked the like she spiked, she spiked the dude in the temple. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There was like a tent peg. Tent peg she drove the head. It through his yeah. uh temple of his head and it just went straight through and killing him. Um which I thought was fascinating because it pointed back to Deborah. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about feminism and the the way it can look that one way or to the other, the extreme has always been with Deborah is there was no man yeah. at the time. Yeah. So because there was no man, uh, a woman had to take charge and God used a woman. Uh, but you had uh, Baruch, yeah. Barack. Yeah. Uh, he- Mr. Obama. Yeah. He oh, was, a different one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Baruch. Uh, he, he was leading the people at the time, mm -hmm. but the spirit was on Deborah. She was judging. So I've heard it put more recently and I thought this is the best way. He was just like, but the spirit of God is talking to you and I haven't heard anything. I'm just going to follow your lead, right? So it wasn't that there wasn't any man in yeah. Israel. It was just that God was using this woman. Right. So to get away from that narrative that our culture mm -hmm. wants to put of like the two against each other. And if it it's was not a, this, then it's you a need team. To, yeah, it's just like, so what? God will only use a Deborah mm -hmm. if there's no man to stand up? Like, it's just yeah. like, okay, but what if there's men? God still can't use it. Like, you know, you're still doing a weird thing of just like, no, no, it should go to the man, but there's no man. So now it's like, it's just like, what are you talking about? Right. And and what you see in the story of Deborah is more of a, a teamwork of mm -hmm. how these two leaders helped. Uh, and then Jael also helping uh, free Israel from oppression. So what the main story that's being told there is, Freedom from oppression, mm -hmm. freedom from oppression. Uh, the same language is in the book of Judith, where Judith uh, killed a, a foreign oppressor and that freed Israel. And so what Luke is doing is he's using these examples to let the readers know that uh, Jesus, through Mary, his birth, is the defeat of the great oppressor in our lives, death, sin, and the flesh. Mm -hmm. So it's like this celebration of things are going to change. Like you were saying, uh, we could go on one extreme with it and be like, just highlight the women or the other side is downplay it. But mm -hmm. if we take scripture in its context of what it's saying, it's saying through Mary, 
and this prophecy given through Elizabeth that this Mary is blessed um, and that they're all excited because why? This oppression that has conquered all of us is about to be defeated. And right there, I think that that's an important thing. Again, coming back to those mothers of the revolution, mm-hmm. because what you were just saying about like, oh, the oppressor of sin, death, and the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I would probably assume, I mean, some of that would probably be there, but I would assume that like when Elizabeth is saying like, so honored that the mother of my Lord, like, right. And looking at, oh, you're the mother of the Lord and really looking at Messiah. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it several times on our podcast, but the concept of the Messiah being We probably really highlighted this on the second prophecy episode, right? About who the Messiah was going to be about like a conquering king who is going to come and get rid of the physical oppressors and to do the thing, right? And when you're looking at a revolution, that's not the revolution that was going to come from this. Right. Right. It wasn't like a, let's go overthrow Rome. You already had like Simon the Zealot. Like that's Mm -hmm. what he would be all about in wanting to do. And he had to learn, no, 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 this revolution is a different thing. Who we're overthrowing is a different thing, right? It's like the biggest problem isn't Caesar. And Paul would come later and be like, hey, our, our warring isn't against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. It's against the, the powers and principalities that are above that working in the, in the high places. So, yeah, yeah, I think that really how you said really helps define like what this revolution yeah. is. And, and you wouldn't be thinking that either because the Maccabees just happened. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people, and I guess, what's the title? Protestants? Yes. Who don't read Maccabees and think it shouldn't be in the Bible. Um, when you're not reading that history, you're missing out the history of what's actually happening here. Right. The reason why these times are so dark is because that just happened. That's fresh in all their mind. We tried to rise up and defeat the oppressor, and that didn't go well for us at all. Um and even going even with with uh, back to Elizabeth because like you mentioned this at the beginning the the barrenness mm-hmm. and the scorn and the ridicule she would face and now like Luke is like elevating this woman who was once looked at as rejected and not useful and saying like no look at she's now pregnant you know she's uh, blessing Elizabeth uh, then uh, or not blessing Elizabeth blessing Mary but being older the the role now flips even with them where she's saying how am I so favored that you would come mm-hmm. to see me you know like. It's just like this counterculture, counterintuitive, counter things that are just constantly happening. That phrase like the upside down kingdom. Yes. That Jesus comes and he flips things around. So to even bring that, and I know we got to get to kind of the next portion here that Mm -hmm. we're going to hit, but okay, we're talking about all of this. We're on the search of like discovering a savior and all of the things that we're bringing up is important to me because if we're looking at a savior to humanity, these things are important. Mm-hmm. You know, if a savior came and just overthrew like the government, but women were being mistreated, that don't really cut it for me. <laughs> right, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. there has to be a full correction across the board of all of these things, which again, where you're saying Jesus came to conquer mm-hmm. sin and death and the flesh is just like, yeah, that's what we need from the savior. Like yeah. that's really what we're facing. So those things are important for me. It's like, okay, why are we talking about this? I think that it's truly important on this journey because if you've never thought about it before, I think that it's an important thing to consider that these types of things should and are under the purview of who a savior should be. Right. Uh, One more thing before we move forward. When you had mentioned she blessed uh, Mary, it was that Mary was blessed because she believed. Mm -hmm. Uh, She believed in God's word. And uh, she experienced the power of God. And then I also have this from just kind of summing up why mothers of the revolution, why this kind of celebration towards all this change and oppression, right? Because the revolution is we're fighting against the oppression. As Americans, we think of the Revolutionary War, right? Dumping no, we think of the Beatles. The, Be- <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles. Uh, but we think of the tea being thrown into the harbor. We think of, uh, what, was, what was it? The no taxation without representation yeah, yeah. where we've lost our way. Uh, we think Paul Revere, the British are coming, the beginning of the war, right? It's so, um, you know. The, it's, the, the Beatles is the soundtrack to all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that plays in the background while <laughs> yeah. you think through That's all this Paul stuff. Paul on his horse show, say you won. <laughs> He's like, this song is catchy. Yeah. Uh, so that <laughs> that's kind of, you know, what we would think of, you know, this uh, oppression. And this is what's happening here, but it's a joyous moment. And I like the way N.T. Wright put it. He said, instead, the 
intimate details, John, three months before his birth, leaping in the womb at Mary's voice, and the Holy Spirit carrying Elizabeth into shouted praise and Mary into song. Underneath it all is celebration of God. God has taken the initiative. Uh, God the Lord, the Savior, the Powerful One, the Holy One, the Merciful One, the Faithful One. God is the ultimate reason to celebrate. Mm -hmm. So this oppression is uh, being celebrated not because of all these other things. It's because of God and what God is doing in this time with these two women who are going to bring in uh, the, the herald and the king to, to, uh, to the world. I like that. Welcome to another installment of Useless Bible Trivia with Chris. Did you know the name Theophilus literally means friend of God? Before writing his gospel and Acts, Luke was a physician. Luke is the longest out of the four gospels and contains 24,944 words. Angels are mentioned 23 times in the gospel of Luke. The parables of the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, and the Rich Man and Lazarus are only found in the Gospel of Luke. Son of Man is used 25 times. Son of God is used 7 times. Do Not Be Afraid is repeated 7 times. And Kingdom of God is used 32 times in the Gospel of Luke. The Eastern Orthodox Church calls Mary the Theotokos. This has been another installment of Useless Bible Trivia with Chris. Getting in this next section mm-hmm. of Scripture, I think it's funny because in my mind, when you're saying, oh man, the Patriots won, so I just started mm-hmm. losing it. I was screaming, I was mm-hmm. picking a premium, I was doing all this stuff. It's like, to me, this is kind of Mary's version of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right, because Gabriel's like, hey, you want to know if it's true? Mm-hmm. Go and go see, see Elizabeth. So not only does she see Elizabeth and see that she's pregnant, then she hears this prophecy from Elizabeth. And at this point, she's like, oh, my gosh, it's all happening. Mm-hmm. It's all true. And just like, I don't know about you, but all of those things running in my mind, I don't know what I would say or do. But Mary goes into this awesome prayer song mm-hmm. um it's known as the magnificat which kind of stands for uh magnifies or my soul magnifies the lord to take and that's just the first line of this prayer so or song prayer song what do you think it is uh song uh i think song, i've right? looked at it and they call them odes yeah an ode so there's like seven of those in the bible yeah if you want to go kind of more catholic with it a canticle There you go. Yeah. So all these words for the same thing, but let me read it out. Then Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. All right. Because I'm Eeyore. There's an exclamation right there. (laughs) (laughs) For he has looked with favor on the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, as he promised to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Magnificat. (laughs) Which is Latin. Yeah. Just to say. Uh, So yeah, it's this... Praise song. Mm-hmm. What I noticed in it was, depending on your translation, Mary has the phrase, he has six to eight times. Mm. So I say, depending on your translation, I have NIV in front of me. It's only six times. I think it's New King James has eight. Some of the other ones have seven. But what, is, what were you saying? Magnifies God. Mm-hmm. And the beginning thing is like, uh, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. For he has been merciful uh, or been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now, people will call me blessed. And again, we're going back to who uh, Mary is. Mm-hmm. And, and she magnifies God because he knows who she was. He saw her where she was at. Uh, he noticed a peasant in Nazareth. Uh, and because she believed God and yielded to his will, he performed a miracle in her life. Uh, 2,000 years later, and Mary is still regarded, as you are talking about earlier, as the most blessed woman in human history. And her first take in 
everything that's happening in her life is that she's just thankful to God and glorifies him for noticing her. And, you know, for me, it just looks at it like sometimes in my own relationship with God, I kind of feel like there have been times where I don't feel noticed by God, where he doesn't mm-hmm. see me. Um, but this is a great reminder of God sees us all. He knows us all. I like even just like you're talking about Mary and her influence with Jesus as he grew. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, again, we think of Mary as a poor peasant woman in Nazareth, which she was. Uh, Nazareth was the poor of poor uh, city, but Mary obviously knew her scripture. Are you thinking uh, First Samuel? Uh, yeah, there's First Samuel, but there's like all these other quotes. There's First Samuel, there's Psalms, but yeah, this specifically does echo First Samuel uh, when Hannah was barren and then uh, became pregnant with Samuel. Yeah, which that's First uh, Samuel 2, 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. For anybody wants to check that out. But there's some other things that I thought they were pretty cool in this song. Let's just call it song. It makes it easier for me to... It to, is a song. I, uh, just in my mind, for whatever reason this time, mm-hmm. prayer kept popping up. Prayer? Like every yeah, other time yeah. I've been calling it a song, but just right now, I'm just like, hey, yeah, <laughs> the brain short circuit. I think R.C. Sproul would say that Mary's song is the one of the most important hymns in the history of the church. Um, because you see some things, there's some uh, some patterns or things that I saw when I was reading it. It's that uh, verse 50, it says, like, to those who fear him, uh, receive his mercy and experience his help. Uh, so you, we have this, like, cool little section, uh, 50 to, I think, 53. It says, for his mercy extends to those who fear him for generation to generation. He has, there's one of those again, performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered uh, those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, uh, but has sent the rich away empty. Um, And even with all those he has, you see God, uh, the three groups that God has mercy on are the helpless, the humble, Mm -hmm. and the hungry. Um, the people of that day were almost helpless when it came to justice and civil rights. Uh, they were often hungry, uh, low, and discouraged because there was no way they could fight the system. We already talked about it. They tried to. Uh, and then, you know, the zealots, we brought up Simon, they made things much worse. Uh, but here again, this upside down thing starts happening and you start seeing that God, uh, the proud will be scattered. Uh, the rulers would be dethroned. And when Jesus comes, like, Again, yeah, they're thinking of the guy who would actually sit on a physical throne here on earth, but he he dethrones, how do I say this? The rulers of, what does Paul call them? Powers and principalities? Yes, the powers and principalities. To use a phrase that we haven't used in a while, like uh, those that were on the divine council, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, those those spiritual powers mm-hmm. that, that held a place and, um, oh man, what's that scripture? There's another one from Paul that talks about like, Basically, he humiliated them on the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he disarmed them. So yeah. we start thinking about like all this stuff and like even the physical terms and, and that. But when we start looking at this, the helpless, all of us were helpless because of sin. What did God come to do or what did Jesus come to do? He came to help the helpless. That's all of us. Uh, he came to help the humble, to elevate them. And I just, when I read that, I think of uh, the meek shall inherit the earth and just the Sermon on the Mount. And yeah, then so the, much of the Sermon on the Mount. The hungry, uh, you know, the those who hunger and thirst for me uh, type thing. But it's, again, Jesus coming in. He's dethroning uh, not necessarily the rulers of this world, but of the spiritual realm. So that way we do have that freedom to live a life where we're not in fear of death, um, where sin doesn't keep us captive. And what was the third one? I was trying to, and the flesh, you know, where we can overcome the flesh. And he's doing all this. He he does dethrone them. Um, I like the way R.C. Sproul's he paints this really well. He said, imagine the pomp and circumstance of emperors in the ancient world. They would march in procession and have slaves bearing uh, their thrones along the way. As they were being carried along, the crowd would bow down to them. They were elevated on thrones uh, in the air for people to admire and self as self-made gods. Then God would come down with one tug of his wrist. Emperors and kings of the ancient world crashed from their pedestal. This is what Mary says. He has brought down uh, rulers from their throne, but have lifted up the humble. Uh, She caught a glimpse of the future restoration of justice that would be inaugurated by the Prince of Righteousness. And and I really like the way he paints that, especially that one tug of the wrist. 
mm-hmm. and everything is shattered. Uh, not just in the physical world, but the spiritual. Yeah. And that concept of like that tug of the wrist, what well, is just like, that's how easy it is for God. And that's mm-hmm. the language about how easy it is for God. But when we're looking at God never changes. So that's where when I see here that Mary is saying, for he has done this. Because she's saying, this is who God is. Mm-hmm. And especially a lot of those things that you were talking about, especially on the dethroning and stuff, it, it takes me back to a lot of the minor prophets that we were reading. Oh, yeah. Like, right, yeah. the people who had set themselves up and whatever and just like, no, you're not on that throne. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you think that you are and you think mm-hmm. that you're saving, you think that you're powerful, but you're not. And all throughout history, in various ways, God has been doing this, all with the purposes of, like, being patient and wanting people to repent and sending his prophets, right? Just like all the way along, like God remaining consistent in these things. And again, uh, feeding the hungry and trying to do that, like go read how the Israelites were supposed to be living and what they're supposed to be doing, right? So just like, this is who God has always been. But then in this action of sending his son, this is what he's really doing, that that final tug of the wrist. They're just mm-hmm. like, all right, no, here comes the one who's who's going to have do it completely right. so to speak yeah um so kind of there how it sounds like all those he has which i think is really cool because when she says my soul magnifies the lord it's like well how do you magnify the lord and then she goes on six seven or eight mm-hmm. times to go well he's done this he's done this he's done this mm-hmm. like telling all of the great things about who god is and believing it and it's like truthful is like you're magnifying god right yeah so that's cool but kind of how it can sound past tense which is what i was just saying but you can also say i'm in need say i'm in financial need I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to, like, make a swing this month. And then you give me some money. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any of those things yet, but immediately when you give me the money, I'm gonna be like, oh, man, you've just filled up my fridge and you've kept the lights on. And you've, like, right, I can say all of the things that you've done by the one action that you're doing. Oh, gotcha. So it's yeah, kind of yeah. like yeah. by sending the Messiah, here's all the things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Like, you're able to read into it everything that oh like oh man the messiah is coming god you've just done all of this stuff mm-hmm. so there's kind of that dual ray of reading it which is where i said god's always been the same he's yeah. been doing it but now he's really doing it in that way of like all right no this is jesus is going to do this then he's going to go sit down because the job is done yeah the the already but not yet yeah yeah, yeah exactly. the heiser um I should probably say the Michael Heiser. The Heiserism. <laughs> yeah, the Heiserism. Yeah. Uh, but the already, but not yet. The Michael Heiser. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the the final thing of that he has is that um, he has remembered Israel. So that's 54 to the end. Uh, it says, uh, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. So, uh in spite of how Israel had drifted away, in spite of how rigid and difficult they had made, uh, the Pharisees in themselves made having a relationship with God, uh, God didn't forget his promise to Abraham and it was time to fulfill it. And that's the final he has. But yeah, all these he's, uh, all these he has, is, let's try saying that three times fast. Yeah. Uh, all of them are reflections of what God's done and what he's going to do. And I think that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up because for me, uh, I I struggle to move forward in things that are somewhat scary or in times of waiting mm-hmm. because I don't remember what he has done. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that uh, example you, you put because it's like all these things have already done these things. Uh, but it's when we remember what God has done. And, and how do we magnify God? Yeah, by saying the things he has done in our lives in a grateful and thankful way. Uh to me, looking at this Mary song, it's just thankfulness. It's praise. Mm-hmm. It's it's elevating God beyond who she is um, because that's where God belonged. And I think that's why he used Mary. You know, we, we've talked about it before where it's like, you know, when does God use us? When does he uh, kind of put us into place? And we were looking at Elizabeth and, and uh, Zachariah. What were they doing? They were doing their everyday task. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when God used them. They were being faithful. They were being obedient. Um, and and this is where Mary was, being faithful, being obedient, um, clearly knows the scripture. And clearly, if you look at just this small section of her song, it echoes Jesus's teachings throughout almost everything he says. Not to say that like she was teaching Jesus the Bible, because obviously Jesus is the word. Uh, but 
the message that she would convey to him over and over again as a child, you kind of hear echoed in his words. Yeah, just when you're talking about just doing the normal things, mm-hmm. kind of in the mundane, it reminds me of, uh, you know, be faithful in the little things. Mm-hmm. Like God needs to be able to trust you with the little things. If you're just going out like, let me go do this big thing for you. Yeah. You're kind of just doing it so you can do the thing. Yeah. Rather than like you're being faithful in the things that are just like, no, here's how I'm going to live my life before you. But to kind of circle back around in a different way, I know that kind of touching on feminism within the worldly sense before, I know that's a huge conversation right now. And you can look at Mike Winger, our YouTube apologist, oh, yeah. <laughs> who's uh, he's, he's blown up on YouTube. He's local here in Bellflower. Mm-hmm. But uh, he just dropped an 11 hour video on women in ministry. He's been doing the series and like the last one, I think the last one he released was like a year ago. And he's just been working on this thing. Like he's a very in-depth fellow. And he just dropped an 11 hour video talking like women in ministry. And I know that this idea of like, what's women's role in the church mm-hmm. and what's this? And like, it's definitely been viewed in left, right, center, upside down and every other kind of way throughout church history. I just want to highlight that during this time of Elizabeth and Mary, Zechariah was a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth wasn't. No. She's a priest's wife. She, yeah, but she couldn't be. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a role that was for yeah. her. But you look at like, okay, so there was a role for him to do within the temple and to do that. She also had a role that in bringing up John, mm-hmm. right? Not to go backwards to like, well, your role is just to have these women or to, just to have these children. But when you're looking at Mary, knowing her scripture, right? And just being faithful in those things. I just think about today. And again, I'm not a woman. I don't know what that experience is. I think it's the same for men or women. But like, if you're feeling like in your church as a woman, you don't really have a role or a say, or there's different stuff. It's just like, it's not up to the men around you to decide what that looks like. Mm. It's all up to God. Mm -hmm. Like if you're faithful to God, if you're in your word, if you're seeking him in prayer, if you're being obedient to the things that he's calling you to be obedient to, in and of itself, that's enough and that's what we're called to. Yeah. But then God's able to do what God likes to do, which is show favor and bless and move in ways in his children's life to do things. So it's just like, yeah, maybe you're at a church that doesn't allow women pastors or preachers or who knows whatever. But it's like, Mary was a poor woman. She wasn't going into the temple. She wasn't doing those things. Which is like throughout all of history, she's being called blessed. Mm-hmm. So just like, I don't think that we need to get into our minds that like, oh, the better or more favorable thing within Christianity is to have that role of leadership to be on the stage. Yeah. I know that when I get to heaven, there will be so many people who here on earth, nobody knew their name, mm-hmm. but because of their faithfulness before God, that will be so far above and beyond where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of just like keeping those things in mind is like, we're not here to do it on this earthly plane of like that whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that when you're saying she knew her word, it just triggered in my mind like, yeah, just get in, get in your Bible, get to know God, seek him mm-hmm. and trust him with the thing. And don't think that it needs to be this thing that like the culture around you is making it. I kind of was, as you were talking about that, I was thinking back of just like growing up and like my dad is, you know, a pastor, a man who's studied the Bible a majority of his life. Um, And when we talk, we talk sometimes a lot, theology and biblical understandings and principles, right? We have that conversation, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. It it challenges me sometimes. It keeps me on my toes. Sometimes it makes me angry. Um, But I love my dad. Me and my dad. Yeah. (laughs) We do that too. Yeah. Uh, And he... But he was like, read your Bible, you know, always enforcing that kind of thing. But it was my mom who, as much as my dad would, we would talk about the Bible, I saw the Bible in my mom. Dude, it, it's just, I think, the difference between men and women. Right. That's, yeah, that's kind yeah, of where I'm getting yeah. at with this is that, like, you know, sometimes we're looking at, like, what's this title, balance, and and all of that. And, um, you know, if you if you get... Angry that women are called pastors, don't go to Saddleback. Uh, clearly, they got kicked out of a conference for it. Uh, if you want that, go to Saddleback. They'll give you that. But more than anything, it's like strip all that away. Bust a paw. All of that's rubbish. It's all garbage. The accomplishments and the titles, you mm-hmm. know, like Paul's like a Hebrew of all Hebrews. I was this, I was right, that. Right, right. 
but I consider it all rubbish and dung. You know, basically he was saying like, it's a big old pile of poo. Um, strip it all away. It's what is your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. And how are you influencing people with that relationship with yeah, God? Yeah. And here we see two women who would influence, like I said, the herald and the king. Like uh, Jesus said it of John. And I'm, I'm going to save a little bit because we're going to talk about John more down the road. But like Jesus said of John, he is the greatest of all men. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? We'll get into that more later. Put a pin in that. We'll touch in that later down the road. Uh, but he was taught by his mom. Please somebody remember. And if Chris yeah. doesn't bring this <laughs> no, back, up, back up, write him angry emails. Yeah, a lot of them. But they grew up, you know, they they changed the landscape and it's all filled with this this song and this encounter. And I like the way N.T. Wright kind of wraps it all up. He says, it's the gospel before the gospels, a fierce, bright shout of triumph 30 weeks before Bethlehem, uh, 30 years before Calvary and Easter. It goes with a swing and a clap and a stamp. It's all about God and it's all about revolution. And it's these two women uh, who come together, cousins. Mm-hmm. and celebrate this moment. You know, this is a victory. This is a celebration. This is a, it, it's, the change is happening. How is it going to happen? They have no clue. Uh, do I firmly believe that they both were like, death, sin, and the flesh is defeated now? I don't think that's what they were even thinking. I think they're just like, whatever it is, yeah. it's good. It, it's good, but it's God. Yeah. And and for Christians today, you know, we we look at our society and how how it looks, how the world is. You know, we always get the thing like, man, we need we need America to get back to its uh, Christian roots and everything like that. And, and I've just had this conversation with Justina. To me, I just find that so foolish because if America was as Christian as it says it was, it wouldn't be the country it is today. Um, but it's like, how do we cause a revolution how do we make that change that we want to see that we talk about so much within the church make it about god mm-hmm. i think we've made it so much more about a bunch of other things sprinkled in with god uh but the big kingdom change always starts with god it's almost like someone said seek first the kingdom right? where do you get that from and like all that he was talking about was mm-hmm. this kingdom and that his kingdom was not of this world mm-hmm. That's not what this is about, though. No. Well, we'll I'm sure that we'll, we'll get, get to that, that later. Yeah. I can stick a pin in that and write all the emails you want. I'm never going to open them. <laughs> <laughs> never talk about that again. Yeah. Send them yeah. to Chris. That, that'll yeah. be the way that I yeah. get the emails because he, <laughs> he opens those things. Um, yeah, but that, that's a really good point. I think that to be seeking God is what it's all for. These women, I mean, the culture of that time was seeking God. They knew something was going to be happening. But how you said, like, this was a point of celebration. Mm-hmm. And I do think that specifically today, when we're looking at the world and looking at like so much fear driven, like it's hard to celebrate when you're scared. Yes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that's real hard mm-hmm. to like, maybe I'm going to lose my home. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> how am I going to afford <laughs> yeah. groceries? Like, yay, yeah. you know? But this is a celebration of a victory that was established. Mm-hmm. And they were celebrating knowing that like we're currently under Roman rule, whatever this thing looks like, we know that this is a good thing and a God thing. And I think that for us to become that firmly established to the point that we can celebrate it like they were celebrating, right? Let's celebrate Mm -hmm. the victory and live from that place. I know that there's a lot of people and it's so easy because of everything that's out there is like to just lean into the fear side of things like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uncertainty, uncertainty, fear, fear, fear. And it's just like, no, you do know. You might be confused because you want it to look a certain way Mm -hmm. but like you do know what's going to happen yeah and you do know that you're safe and just like to lean into that so much more and i think that a good way of doing that is to take this song the magnificat of mary and do what the early church did the early church would chant that thing Mm -hmm. it was part of their services like they started using it real early it became part of like the Vesper services in the Catholic Church. Then I think even like Anglican and Lutheran churches were using it even once the uh, Reformation happened, right? They picked up on those things. But don't just, I don't know. I don't know if anyone in America is really down for chanting. Pray it, sing it, however you do with mm-hmm. it. But learn to mean it, I think is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. It's like when you can read those things, like I'm glorifying God because he has, he has, mm-hmm. he has. That'll transform your life. 
Yeah, there's that. Uh, gosh, what's that song? I think it's Firm Foundation. Mm-hmm. He won't, and it like I, I I really like that song. Yeah, because it echoes he won't, mm-hmm. it, like he won't let us down. He won't like he never has, mm-hmm. uh, because it is it does touch a lot of this kind of same concept of the past present type. He didn't, so he won't type philosophy of he has, so he will type thing. Uh, but what I really liked about that song is just kind of what it does inside of me. It, like it does fill me with this excitement. I think it gets to this point like where like the music stops and you're like you're waiting for it and then you shout out, he won't like this celebration. Uh, and that's what Mary does. Yeah. She's so compelled by uh, what God's doing in her life that it just burst out this song. And uh, this is my last thing because this is like one of those uh, tweetable probably points that I think are pretty cool that I wrote down. Since it's not called Twitter, does it still tweeting? Oh, I don't know. Do what you... is it, Xing? That sounds worse. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody liked tweeting, but Xing sounds way worse. Xing sounds way worse. Anyways, social media. Uh, the fullness of the Spirit should lead to joyful praise in our lives, and so should the fullness of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. God should bring excitement out of you. I know you're joking about like you don't show any real emotion, but when you talk about God's Word, there's excitement and there's joy in your life when you do it. We've had other conversations where we have, so it's just more of a joke than anything else with Murdoch. But um, that's what God's word should really do. It should overwhelm us. There's There are times, yes, where God's word uh, should break us down into sorrow. But I think the bulk of this story is, and, and as we discover a Savior, it's discovering victory. Mm-hmm. I'm not just discovering vic- a Savior. I'm discovering victory in everything. And this story is that. This is the victory story. This is not... The British are coming. Now we have to fight a battle. This is Jesus is coming and the battle's already won. It's, it's wonderful. I, I love N.T. Wright. It's the gospel before the gospel. I, mm-hmm. I, I just love that quote. It, it was one of my favorite things to read when I studied it. Yeah. You really have Mary in that bringing like, she was the first one to really expound upon New Testament theology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she kicked it off. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Again, highlighting there. Um, but yeah, really looking at and. I thought that I didn't have anything else to say, but the more that we talk, the more that I can talk. Um, just that victory mm-hmm. and looking at revolution. Again, I know that right now when you're talking about, oh, yeah, we got to do this in the country and whatever. There's a lot of people looking for some type of revolution, some type of reform, mm-hmm. some type of whatever. And it's just like getting into the gospel is the sure victory. It is the sure revolution Yeah, as far as the most holistic thing that answers everything because it's answering sin, death, and the flesh. Mm-hmm. And that's the root of all of the troubles that we hit. And I do want to clarify one thing that you said, because like, well, Jesus won the victory, so like we don't have to fight. There is a battle that we face in claiming that victory in our life. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, well, he died for your sin. So it's like, I still need to resist that temptation. Mm-hmm. And the way that I resist that temptation is by driving myself towards God, by cutting off anything that would cause me to sin. Like, so mm-hmm. it's just... It's not like, oh, I wonder if I do this, if it'll work. It's like, no, 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 follow him. It's a promise that it will work, but you still need, like, you know, you need to do your steps, but the victory is one. You just need to apply it into mm-hmm. your life. It's not just like, oh, cool, he did it. Look, I'm I'm perfectly holy now. <laughs> yeah. like, that's not quite there, but you need to have those two things. Yeah, together. I always like to paint the picture with the Old Testament when he's like, when you go into the land that I'm giving you and I, mm-hmm. uh, I drive them out, I drive yeah. them out uh, collect the plunder. And then, you know, also make sure they don't come back. Like, it's a two-part yeah. deal. It's God's already ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And we just got to follow through with it. Yeah. What's next? What's next week? I think there's just a question. And depending on your level of uh, Christian nerd knowledge, it mm-hmm. might trigger something. If not, you'll probably learn more about it. The question is, are you predestined? Oh, that's a fun one. You know how many times I've got asked that? A lot. And I wonder if I was always predestined to get asked those questions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I saved that joke the entire time. <laughs> I think that as we've talked about it, it's just the answers we're going to give probably aren't what you're looking for. Not at no all. matter what side you're on. No matter what side you're not But if you've been be listening for a while, you probably know that already. But you'll learn something. You may not like the answer, but you'll, you'll learn a lot more of what this predestined thing is all about. Yep. On our Discovering a Savior. Yes. So I'm Chris. I'm your... We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.